Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We are going to be continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark. Hopefully, I'm pretty sure all of you guys are there. And if you've been with us over the past couple of weeks, you know that we began a new sermon series going through Mark's Gospel and looking at uh, Jesus' ministry. And um, one of the things that we really focused in on through this series uh, is coming from the key verse in the Gospel of Mark in uh, chapter 10, verse 45, where Jesus says of himself, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so we're focusing in on Jesus as the servant and the Savior. Uh, We know that Jesus, as uh, Brian shared even during our worship, that uh, Jesus has all of these names, and one of those names is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. However, before he came, before he comes as the King of Kings, he first came as the suffering servant, the Savior. And so we're going to see and have been seeing Jesus' ministry. In fact, Mark's gospel is very upbeat. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of movement. He uses the word immediately to describe the urgency of Jesus' ministry and the fast pace of his ministry. And so any of the messages that uh, we have here on Sunday mornings or midweek as well, you can go and listen online and go to our, our, you know, our podcast or our website or our YouTube channel or whatever it is to just get caught up. But understanding the story of Jesus in the midst of this, last week we looked at Jesus calling the apostles, which was a big thing because at this point in Jesus' ministry, there was a lot of crowds around. And so whenever you have a lot of people, there's a lot of need, right? And so Jesus couldn't minister and meet all of those needs. And so Jesus' master plan of evangelism and reaching more people was to call these men and these women close to him to impart this, uh, this wisdom and this power and this authority to uh, you know, go out and minister for him. And so he calls his apostles. But in the midst of this, Jesus is also experiencing an, in, an increase of criticism and uh, of conflict with the Pharisees and the scribes. And so in the previous chapter, chapter 3, they uh, intensify their efforts and basically they want to destroy him. And this is because Jesus is breaking some of the traditions and norms. So uh, Jesus is experiencing um, some interesting things. Uh, First, he's uh, adored and loved by his followers and his fans, but he's also abhorred and hated by his foes. And so in the midst of this, Jesus calls his disciples away and he begins to teach them. And he teaches them in parables. And uh, this is a teaching technique that Jesus uses in order to draw the listener in. And so we're going to be looking at the parables of the kingdom. You remember Jesus began his ministry by preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so there was this urgency to respond to the kingdom. And so we're going to see parables of the kingdom in this chapter, but we're also going to see the power of Jesus. In chapter 4, there's the famous uh, story about Jesus calming the wind and the waves. And I think that uh, there is some wonderful truth and even encouragement in this chapter for us 
Maybe we might be experiencing some uncertainty or some sudden violent storms of life and really be encouraged by the hope that Jesus brings and the peace that Jesus brings in the midst of those storms. So just a very simple uh, overview. The point that we want to remember today as we study this chapter is that Jesus reveals truth of the kingdom in the stories of parables, but he also reveals his peace and his power over the storms and over the chaos. And so we're going to experience that. And we just see it in just three simple ways. First, he's going to talk about these parables of the kingdom of heaven. Third, we're going to see the revealing of his power over creation. And the, excuse me, second. And then third, we're going to see the peace of Jesus in the midst of the storm. So a lot to get to. I don't think we'll be able to read every single word in this chapter, but I encourage you to read it on your own over this week. But jumping into Mark chapter 4, Verse 1, the story continues, and again Jesus began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. You can imagine the natural amphitheater that is created as Jesus is just a little bit offshore. You've got the ripple of the water. You have the sand of the shore. You have the rising of the hill. You have the background of the mountains. This is by the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is using this just as a natural megaphone. He's preaching to so many people and uh, so many people in need. He's Uh, teaching them here in verse 2. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. So immediately there's this attention grabbing, right? Jesus is using the agricultural or the farming sort of analogy or story. And this was an agrarian culture at the time where he is teaching and growing up and ministering. So this was something with the farmer and the seed and and the different soils. This is the parable of the soils, which Jesus is going to go on to interpret for his disciples as well as for us in uh, unlocking the key or the decipher or the code in understanding the truth of this parable. And in understanding the truth of this parable, we actually have an unlocking of other parables as well. So he says, a sower went out to sow seed. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and it scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up And increased and produced some 30, some 60, and even some 100. And he said to them, he who have ears to hear, let him hear. This is such a wonderful uh, just phrase from Jesus. You know, just the encouragement. Because we hear a lot of things throughout the day, don't we? We hear all kinds of things. And those are audible voices and words that uh, then we interpret and discern. And so Jesus is not talking about just the, the words that you hear. Uh, but he's talking about discerning the content of the words that you hear. And so as the disciples are a little bit concerned, not concerned, but uh, confused about what Jesus is saying, they go to him in verse 10. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. This is just a kind of maybe a side note, but just a simple principle that whenever you don't understand what God is saying to you in his word, just go to him. <laughs> Ask him. He's not 
hiding things from you and I. It's not a mystery. God desires to reveal himself to us. And really, the thrust of this chapter and the parables that he's explaining in chapter 4 deals with the power and the beauty and the majesty and the working of God's word in our life. That's the interpretation that we have later on as he talks about um, the word of God being sown and planted on our hearts. And so he says in verse 11, and he said to them, to you it has been given, seeing they make free of the kingdom of God. But to those who are on the outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive. So there's some things that we can see but not understand that there's a spiritual realm. Many people just see the physical realm. They just see the material realm. And they're distracted and, you know, drawn away by other things. But Jesus and the scriptures clearly indicate for us that there's a spiritual reality. And uh, we should not be deceived in thinking or uh, distracted by other things. And so he says we can see but not really perceive. There's a perception. But there's also a discernment that takes place when we hear certain things as well. So uh, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament about the purpose of parables. And then we have the interpretation. I'm just going to read through this and then make mention of some important aspects of this application for us in our lives today. Verse 13. Jesus said to them, do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So there's a key. If we understand this parable, then we can unlock the other parables of Jesus. The sower sows the word. There it is. There's the key. It's kind of like a magic trick. I don't know if you have ever been mesmerized by magic and you see it on television. David Copperfield, I don't know, back in the day, that's, when, that's who it was when I was growing up. Uh, Chris Angel or I don't know, whoever it is nowadays. Uh, and you think, wow, how is that person levitating? Or how is that person disappearing or whatever? And it's just so magical. But what happens when you know the trick? Just, wow, okay, I understand. Now I know how this happens. And uh, there's a pulling back of the veil. There's a revealing of the secret. And Jesus here gives us the code, the key, the decipher for unlocking the parable of the sower and uh, of the seed. And we see here that the word of God is the seed. It's important that we understand the significance and the value of the seed and of the word of God. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. So just, you know, mentally or you can even write these down in your uh, Mark journals or on the side of your Bible if you'd like, but there's four different types of soils. And Jesus is saying that the first soil deals with those who are on the wayside. And I find it interesting, just a couple of things here. One is that Jesus is sharing his word with people. He wants you and I to know him. And if you want to know God, we need to get close to his word. And then when we know God's word, then there's a revealing of his heart and his nature and of his character, of his purpose and even of his uh, mission. And so uh, Jesus is um, sharing that word, and, and God is sharing that word with us. But we also have to recognize that Satan does not want you to have God's word. He does not want you, because he knows that if you get close to God's word, then you're going to be transformed. Because the Bible says that God's word is living and active. 
It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's profitable for reproof and correction and training in righteousness that the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. And so Satan is done, even from the Garden of Eden, twisted and manipulated and, 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 um, and, and used God's word as a way to deceive people or to distract people. And uh, so he's doing the same thing today because he knows that if God's word would fall upon a heart that is genuinely seeking him, then there is going to be fruit and change and transformation. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. So it's not, I just take great comfort in knowing that, uh, you know, people's lives aren't changed because of cute and clever sayings that a preacher may have or a nice sermon outline. No, the power of God is in the word of God. And when the word of God is open, I just love looking around this room and seeing the word of God open on your laps because therein lies the power of God unleashed in your life to change you. But Satan does not want you to have that. He's going to throw every storm. He's going to throw every trick. He's going to throw every lure. Just like when I go fishing, I want to figure out what the fish are biting on. So I go through all of my flies or I go through all of my lures. Satan is gone. He's got a tackle box on you. He knows what spinner, what flashy rooster tail, what feather, what pop, what jig, whatever it is, he knows in the moment when, the we- when you're the weakest, just to snatch it away. And so this is, a, this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of eternity. This is a matter of the forces of hell coming to take away the love of God, the truth of God. In your life. And so he says, Satan is attacking, he's stealing. And in verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. And afterwards, when tribulations and persecutions arise, and for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And these are the ones who sown among the thorns. Those are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word. Everyone say choke. Now just put your hands around your neck and say choke. No, well, you could if you want, but that's not a fun word to say. Choke, suffocate. There's things that uh, are less important and less significant that we spend way too much time on. And those things consume our thoughts they consume our 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 spending patterns they consume our our emotional well-being and our our joy and contentment in God they consume it and it chokes out it literally suffocates uh kind of like what we were talking about yesterday at our men's breakfast in chapter four of Mark we see Jesus calming the storm and sleeping in a boat but in uh, Jonah chapter one we see the storm and Jonah is in a boat asleep but he's in rebellion and he's thrown over the side and he's just drowning and this is the type of billows and waves that are just consuming and drowning and choking out any effect of God's word for spiritual growth and maturity in our lives and so uh, he talks about these who are choked out. And then verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 30 fold, some 60, and some 100. Just for sake of time, we don't uh, have to, to read the rest of 
um, these parables. There's three other parables, and uh, it's important to understand the parable of the light or the lampstand in connection with the parable of the soil because basically, just a very simple overview, Jesus goes on to say that if you do hear and perceive and understand, then it's your responsibility to share that truth as a light to other people. And you will be held more responsible because of the truth that you have been able to perceive and receive from the word of God. And then the last two deal with uh, the kingdom of God as, as growing and expanding uh, and, and magically you know, growing because of the divine work of God in the midst of the church. And so you, you can read through those on, on your own. But let me just make mention of a couple of things here. Uh, one is... I personally can identify with all of these conditions in what Jesus is saying, that we're dealing with human hearts, the different types of hearts. We're dealing with a heart that is very hard and callous to God. We're dealing with a heart that that deals with the surface. That's the heart on the wayside. It's kind of like uh, out here in the foothills of, of San Diego, we have what's called DG, right? It's decomposed granite. And maybe if you've ever done a walkway, you know that you get the DG and you put it down on the pathway, you compact it, you add some water, and it literally becomes like concrete. There's no room, there's no soil, there's no nutrients, there's no goodness for for anything to grow. And uh, it's not intended to grow because you're walking on it. You're trampling on it. And this is the same of the surface heart, the callous heart. And I think it's important to understand that this is a theme that is continuing on with Jesus confronting the Pharisees and the scribes. Chapter 3 dealt with the hardness of heart. And when you have a hardness of heart, you can't see or accept or receive the goodness of God. And you're so prideful and arrogant. You say, I can do it my own way. But see, what happens is that Satan comes and just destroys it and steals it. And uh, takes any word that is planted upon the heart. Now listen, in, 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 in church and just even right now as we're gathering, God is sprinkling his word on your heart. It's his word. It's not Sherwood's word. It's God's word that's alive. It has the germinating potential to produce such good fruit, goodness in your life. And if we come to that with a hard heart saying, I don't need it. It's just on the surface. God wants to allow that to produce something good in your life. So don't harden your heart to God. Open it up. And I know from time to time, just because of life, uh, maybe things that I've experienced or things that people have said that I have a hard heart or a closed off heart to God. Or maybe you had a really bad experience in church or in the name of religion, some whatever, pastor, priest, leader, or whatever, whatever it is, they manipulated you, or they abused you, or they controlled you in some way, and it, gave, it left a, a sour taste in your mouth for the things of God or for church. So listen, friend, don't equate man's failure upon the goodness of God. God loves you with an everlasting love, and even though somebody may have twisted and manipulated that, you can still have a soft heart to God. If you just open up to Him, it's kind of like the rain that we had last night. It was really cool. I mean, I, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper, so I didn't hear all the, I don't know, thunder and whatever was going on, but when I woke up in the morning, everything was wet and just leaves and whatever, just blown everywhere. But it was great because... We haven't had rain in San Diego in a long, long time, and everything is so dry, and everything is so hard. 
Listen, friends, with the worship we had this morning, with the encouragement of the Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit is in this room right now, and He's just moving right now, that this is a little bit of sprinkle. It's a little bit of softening. And what's cool is that if you ever go out to the desert, there's just nothing. It's so barren. But what happens when they get just the minuscule amount of rain? The super bloom happens, right? You realize just even a little bit of sprinkle of God's truth in your life, if you would let it soak in, super blooms, beauty, growth, maturity. God desires that, but what happens is over time, not only do we harden our hearts, but there's a shallowness of heart, right? This is the the heart that is, you know, uh, very thin on the top, but very rocky underneath. It is a careless heart, not to till and to toil. There's no depth. And this is kind of the experiential Christianity, where through our emotions, I'm seeking some sort of spiritual high and some, you know, I go to this place because the worship is amazing, or I go to this place because the pastor is so whatever, and I'm moving from one experience to the next experience, but the problem with emotion and experience is that those fade over time. They change. And our emotions go up and down, but Jesus Christ stays the same. And the problem is, is that many people just have this emotional experience and they, and they get back to their life and they say, that was so amazing, so cool, but there's no root. There's no depth. There's no growth. There's no continuation in the word of God. And then what happens? Well, we get scorched, right? We get burnt. And people don't tell us, well, it's, yeah, it's God's love. Absolutely, God's love is extended to us. God's mercy and, and, and God's grace. But some people don't tell us about the persecution and the trials and the hardships and the difficulties for the sake of the word, Jesus says in this parable. To be a Jesus follower does not make you and I immune to suffering. But it enables us to have the one who uh, will walk with us and comfort us in all of those sufferings. There's no root to be growing in him. And we think, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I wasn't told about this. This is a, a, a bait and switch. I don't want this. And so we walk away. But we're not really understanding the full depth of God's word. God's word takes root and makes fruit in a cultivated heart, in a heart that is open. But unfortunately, from time to time, we can be hard and uh, we can also be shallow. We can also be smothered. And I think maybe for me, a lot of the struggles that I deal with or the conditions of my heart are revealed in what Jesus says about the smothered heart. This is the crowded heart. This is the heart that doesn't have room for Jesus. It doesn't have room for devotion. It doesn't have room for the Bible. It doesn't have room for church. It doesn't have room for fellowship because we fill up all the other things in our life that seem to be more important. And we no longer have the closeness or the relationship or the focus. This is the choked out life. This is the life that is just completely suffocating. I think this is the most tragic because that's not what Jesus said he's come to do. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He says he's come to uh, set the captives free. He says he's come to deliver those who are in bondage. He says he's come to uh, heal and to mend the brokenhearted. 
He's come to uh, transform us and make us new so that everything in our lives can be made new. And the old is passed away and all things become new. This is the born again life. This is the new life. This is the radical life. This is the Jesus life. No longer smother. Satan wants to smother you. Satan wants to distract you. Satan wants to choke you spiritually. But we can put ourselves in situations or cling to things that will actually be negative for our spiritual growth in Christ. The word of God being open to him. Now we come to the suitable heart, the heart that is really ready. Now Jesus says about this heart that this heart not only hears but heeds the word of God. This is applying. This is living. This is abiding. This is maintaining and sitting and, and devouring. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When you have a hunger and a thirst, as only Jesus can satisfy, he pours in the refreshing, just goodness of his word. And he brings about that change. And the parable right after this, talking about uh, the parable uh, of, uh, of the growing seed, he says this happens magically. The farmer goes out and he plants the seed and he doesn't even know how it happens, but it just happens. Listen, I don't know exactly how it happens, but I'm maintaining and holding to the power of God's word and I've seen it bear fruit in my life. And you can trust that as you allow the word of God to sprinkle on your heart, then it just begins to, I mean, I don't know if magic's the right word, but it's Jesus Christ working with his word to bring about this fruit, to bring about this change. So this is the parable and understanding. Friends, can you relate to some of this? I hope you can. I hope you can. But I also hope that uh, there might be a little bit of conviction going on too. Um, not conviction in a bad way, but just in the sense of, yeah, you know what? I think there are some things that are smothering the goodness of God. There's some things in my life that I'm pursuing that just are choking out my joy in Jesus. Listen, friends, it's okay. It's okay to just uproot those things, to pull them out. You know, we have this pesky rabbit going on in our, um, in our garden. Anyone can, I don't know, maybe you've got some of that. So we're trying everything. We're trying everything. We're putting baskets over it. I mean, it, this rabbit has chewed down to the very, you know, right down to the edge, right down to the... Uh, to the rock and I put the little trail camera out and I said there he is oh boy he just is relentless I was looking for the gun I'm like where no oh I'm sorry I don't know about that yes we're going to no we're going to relocate him we're going to relocate him oh boy I'm going to get some emails after this one no well come on I have three girls in the house plus the fourth with my wife it's like we got to show a little bit of compassion here but um, and so so sometimes we think, okay, well, if I could just mow it down, if I can just cut it off, well, what's happened is now that we have the basket and now that we've kind of maybe distracted him with some other things, it's starting to grow back. There is nothing that you and I can do to maintain or to fix the, uh, the behavior on the outside unless we deal with the source, unless we deal with the root, unless we deal with the cause. And Jesus wants to uproot. He wants to pull out those things. He wants to till your heart. He wants to fill you with nourishment. Listen, friend, the way that your soul is nourished is by doing this very thing right now that we're doing. It's this wonderful thing called church. It's this wonderful thing called community and fellowship. It's this wonderful thing called worship and prayer. 
It's this wonderful thing of opening God's word and saying, speak to me. This is the nourishment of a heart that hears and heeds. Listen, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount at the end, a person who builds their house upon sand is a person who hears my word. Oh, that was great. That was a great sermon. Sure, what nice three point. I loved all those little sayings. That was great. Tweetable, whatever it is. But listen, friends, that means nothing if God's word is not getting down into your heart and changing you this week, changing me this week. I have to fall upon my face before the Lord and say, God, would you do this work in my life? And he says, if you just hear it and don't do it, you're going to be like a person who builds their house upon sand. The storms and the wind and the waves, the persecutions, the trials, the hardships are going to come, but your life is just going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart. But if you hear my word and you obey it and you live it and you apply it, then you're like a person who builds their life upon the rock. Another name of Jesus is the rock of ages. And there's a wonderful hymn, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. That Jesus is the rock that when we build our lives upon him and his word, there is stability and there is strength no matter what storm And then let me just close with this because I think this story is so wonderful and it ties well into these types of, because we're all going to experience storms. I think somebody said once you're either, you've either come out of a storm and what we mean by storm, well, we actually all came out of a storm last night. So uh, there was a a rainstorm last night. But what we're talking about here are uh, life storms, sudden, violent, disruptive uncontrollable circumstances and situations in life that really just rock us. And these life storms, we've either come out of one, we're going into one, we're in one, or there's one around the corner. And so uh, we're going to see Jesus uh, connect with his disciples here in verse 35. We'll just close with this, read through. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, this is important. You can circle this and underline this in the person's Bible sitting behind you. Go ahead, just right now. Just turn around and do that. But it's important to understand that Jesus up front said, hey, guys, we're going to go to the other side. Now, that's important because in the midst and in the middle of their journey, they fear and feel like they're going to die. But they fail to remember the words of Jesus. Hey, we've got a purpose. It's okay. Uh, We're going to the other side. And oftentimes, Jesus will take us through storms of life to teach us who he is, to teach us to trust his word, to teach us the peace that he offers. So we're going to the other side, boys. Let's go. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took with him along other boats as he was, and other little boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. And he was in the stern asleep. Everyone say asleep. So I find it interesting that the winds didn't wake up Jesus. Uh, the waves didn't wake up Jesus. The, uh, the worries of the ministry didn't wake up Jesus. But what we see in the next verse, the wailing of his disciples. It's kind of like a mother, at, you know, at night. I, for me, I, I don't know, because I'm a heavy sleeper, I don't hear many things. But it's, a mother just hears the tone of their child's voice, right? I mean, it's just dialed in. And whenever they, you, you know, there could be all kinds of other distractions and all kinds of things going on. But that one little voice, the wailing or the cry, the certain pitch or whatever it is, beep, you know, it's like alert. I know, that's my child. And it's like mom to the rescue. Well, this is Jesus. Jesus knows the wailing and the cries. 
and the concerns and the fears that we have. And we can cry out to him. So he says here he was asleep in the boat. He was on a pillow. And uh, that was the my pillow. I don't know, maybe, but who knows. And, uh, and they awoke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This is kind of a wrong approach, but oftentimes we want to, you know, look negatively on people when, in fact, we would probably have done the same thing. Do you not care? Well, of course Jesus cares. And uh, sometimes fear will cause us to say and do irrational things. It'll cause us to just throw all reason and all promise and all hope out the window when Jesus is actually right there with us. And uh, in verse 39, he's, then he arose, Jesus, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Now everyone say peace. That's a much better, better word, right, than choke. <laughs> peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace. Peace for me before Christ was temporary. It was a, a self-medication. It was trying to drown out and numb the pain that I was experiencing in life. And I thought it was peace. It's just very similar to the woman at the well that Jesus encountered uh, and shared with her that, you know, all of these relationships in your life, they're not going to give you peace. They're not going to satisfy you. And that if you would drink from the water that I give you, then you will never thirst again. There's a, a quenching of the, the need of the human soul that only Jesus can provide. And so he says, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him. Well, I take great comfort in knowing that these were the 12 apostles that Jesus called to carry on his ministry, and even they dealt with no faith. So, puts us in really good company, but just let's just make mention of a couple of things with Jesus and the storm. Obviously, he is revealing his power, not only over creation uh, with the wind and the waves, but he's also reinstating his peace in the midst of the chaos that the disciples are experiencing. This windstorm was very uncertain. It was disruptive. It was sudden. And it was intense. It was completely out of control. And we know that because uh, the story tells us that winds were coming in. It was filling the boat. And they were on the verge of sinking. And they were doing everything that they could to uh, survive this sort of threat. But Jesus was asleep in the boat, and uh, he wasn't concerned about it. It wasn't an issue. Now, I find that encouraging because it, re it reminds me that Jesus knows whatever storms we may experience in life, whatever things we may go through, and he, he's not startled by them. There is no storm of life that startles the Son of God. He sees them. He knows them. But the cool thing is, is, as a follower of Jesus, that means that if we just are in step with him and we get in whatever boat he calls us to get in to, then we know that there's safety, there's security, there's peace. That doesn't mean that we're not going to experience storms, but it's almost like the eye of the storm or the eye of the hurricane. It's very deceptive because outside the winds are swirling all over, but in the middle of the storm, it seems to be very peaceful. In the eye of the storm, there is peace. Well, there's peace because Jesus is with us, even though all the things around us are swirling. But Jesus has this great power, and he does it through the spoken word. 
Now, we're told in the book of Colossians that through Jesus, uh, all things were created. And uh, they exist and have their being. And in the beginning, as he spoke, right? There's this power of the spoken word to create. There, there is no force of nature that does not answer to the voice of the Savior. Does not answer to the voice of Jesus. There's nothing, not even de- de- demonic uh, oppression, uh, but even all of creation. And we can trust in the midst of those types of uncertainties. But it's natural for us to experience this type of dread and this type of doubt and this type of fear. But listen, I think a great takeaway for us, a couple of takeaways here as we kind of transition with our worship team. I'll have you guys come on up and, and kind of tune in and get ready to lead us in worship. But we're also going to partake of communion together in just a few moments is that it's natural to have fear. But when the fear of the storm is scaring you, we can go to the Lord. I I find it interesting that the disciples shook Jesus. They disturbed his sleep. And it's okay to disturb Jesus with your prayers when you are disturbed by fears. When there is fear, you can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, hey, can you wake up? (laughs) Or, Jesus, I really need you. Would you come? Uh, I need your peace and I need uh, your presence. And uh, not only does Jesus calm the storms, but he also rebukes the lack of faith in the disciples. And I think it's interesting because the greatest challenge for Jesus in this moment was not large waves, but little faith. You have little faith. He says, trust me. You know, the great way to increase your faith, the Bible says, a faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you want to increase your faith, we increase our consumption of the Word of God. It's a great uh, way to grow in God's uh, wisdom and truth and knowledge and understanding. And let me just lastly say this wonderful peace that Jesus provides. Oftentimes we think, well, times of peace in our life are a result of not having any storms. But the reality of life is the complete opposite. That every single one of us can experience these types of sudden disruptions in life. However, the promise here is that as a follower of Jesus, with Jesus in the boat, well, you're going to stay afloat. That's a good thing. But when Jesus is present, fear is not entirely absent. It's just less potent. It's less consuming. It's less overwhelming. It's less controlling. When Jesus is present, you're going to have some fear. But that fear is replaced by faith and trust in Jesus. So that's my encouragement, our encouragement, through God's word today. And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chapter. We thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for the truth that it offers us. And I do pray that we would respond. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus, you also said, take heed of the things that you hear. Kind of like that story when we sang in Sunday school. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Lord, can you just simplify that for us right now? We don't want anything to come in and distract or to consume or to choke or to worry us. Thank you that you're with us. 
And I pray your peace be upon every soul right now. And as we worship you and as we partake of communion, we are so grateful for the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that enables us to draw near and close to have help in time of need. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.